What's up, rock nerds? Welcome back to another Geology Vlog podcast. We are here today with Will Reber, hot from Calgary, Alberta, just outside the foothills of the Canadian Rocky Mountains, president of Sample Pro Limited, went to University of Calgary, got a Bachelor of Science in Geology. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that experience, Will, a little bit about yourself, and a little bit about Sample Pro. Hi, Neil, and hi, everybody else out there. Um, so as Neil said, I'm a, uh, a geologist. I graduated from the University of Calgary uh, back in 1985, uh, been working as a geologist ever since. Um, been through my shares of ups and downs in the industry, um, never seen anything like what we've got now. Uh, the majority of my career as a geologist, Neil, uh, has been spent working as a well site geologist. Uh, I tried the office route, and for me, that just wasn't a good fit. Um, I just preferred being out on the rigs. I absolutely loved every time I got in my truck and went out to a new job. My job, as with every well site geologist, entailed looking at drill cuttings. But before you can look at drill cuttings, you have to make sure that they're collected properly. And it was out of that frustration with getting proper drill cutting samples that back in 2005, I started the first prototype of what is now the Sample Pro Drill Cutting Sample Collector. It's all about getting proper cuttings. Um, my belief is, no matter how smart you are, no matter how good your equipment is to to examine the drill cuttings and to, to describe them, if you're not getting the proper data coming in through that door, you're, you can't do the best job possible. And that's a little history about myself. So, Well, I was thinking that, uh, you know, we talk about some of your education and training in school specific to what you've done in your career. Is there anything that, that you studied at University of Calgary? Did University of Calgary do anything to prepare you for a career as a well site geologist? Uh, did anything in the geology track push you towards, uh, you know, what you've done in the last uh, 32 years and what you're doing today? Um, so starting with my degree in, uh, in university, um, I've only got a bachelor. I'm not overly educated. I've just got my bachelor of science in geology. Um, here in, at University of Calgary, it was a four-year program, and my impression then, and, and it still is, uh, the university experience did not overly teach me or prepare me how to be a well site geologist. A lot of what we did in the first few years was looking down microscopes at thin sections of metamorphic rocks, of igneous rocks. Um, yes, we looked at some sedimentary, but predominantly we were looking at just rocks in general through thin sections and through microscopes. Yes, as a well site geologist, Neil, as you well know, as a mud logger, you look at your my. Uh, your samples through a microscope, but you're not looking at thin sections. You're just looking at the actual drill cuttings. 
we didn't really do a lot of that. That came as on-the-job training in my time as a well site geologist. So you asked me, how did I end up being a well site geologist? And I have to be a completely yeah. honest with you, that was the furthest thing from my mind when I was going through university. There, I wanted to be, or at least I thought I wanted to be, an office geologist. I wanted that nine-to-five job, you know, go out for drinks after work with your, your colleagues and sleep in your own bed every night. But after a couple of tries at that, it just wasn't for me. I, I loved the excitement of going to a rig. I loved the excitement of going up on that drilling rig floor and seeing how these wells were actually drilled. Uh, keep in mind, in my day, there was a lot slower drilling, so you had a little bit more time to, to talk yeah. to the crew, to interact with the rig crew. But... You know, it was it was still it was a field job, and that's what I loved about it. Yeah, they're out here. Uh, I'm just outside Jal, New Mexico, um, sitting on the well site, and uh, they drill anywhere between 150 to 350 feet an hour sometimes. So you know that the average ROP is usually the average rate of penetration or their drilling speed, usually around uh, 180 200 feet an hour. So in my day, uh, at the beginning when I first started sitting wells in 1985, fast ROP, and this would have been fast, would have been 20 meters an hour. So that is roughly 60 or 70 feet per hour. But back in that day, Neil, we were drilling with tricone bits, and you would be lucky to get a hundred hours out of a tricone bit. So you were tripping for bits every two to three days on average. A trip would take 12 plus hours. It was older technology. And that's what I guess made it very enjoyable for me. I got to look at the rocks. I got to really look at a sample and pick it apart and, and find out what we were drilling through. And I mean, let's face it. The only idea we have is of what's in that subsurface is that seven-inch wellbore that's penetrating there, and that's the only information that you get about what's down there. The tough part about working in oil and gas is that the whole world we see can really only be represented in cuttings or core or a bunch of geophysical tools that get put down the wellbore. You know, your your company, Sample Pro, is trying to increase the resolution rate to be better than what than what we got now. I mean, I, I go out and collect, you know, 20, 40, or 60-foot samples, depending how fast they're drilling. If they're kicking at 300 feet an hour, I've got, you know, 12-ish minutes to, to do my job. You know, resolution at that point and accuracy kind of gets degraded, whereas if I had a different tool such as what you have at Sample Pro, maybe the resolution and accuracy could get kicked up a bit. Why don't you tell us a little bit about all that and how your invention can help with sample collection? Basically, as I said earlier, my design and and my development of the Sample Pro sample collector 
came from frustration of trying to get accurate and representative samples. Just to put it in really layman's terms, up here in Canada, the way our samples are collected is that it is the responsibility of the roughneck, of the rig hand, to collect the drill cutting samples. But unfortunately, since the very first day that I stepped on a rig, the importance of drill cuttings pretty much falls down to the bottom of the totem pole if you were to ask any of the rig crew. Uh, it's more important that that rig is scrubbed clean and that all the fittings are greased. My impression as a geologist is that those drill cuttings are the most important aspect of drilling that well. That is the only information that you have what's, of what's down there. The way we collected drill cuttings, and, and we still do to an extent up here, is that basically a five-gallon bucket is placed at the end of the shaker where all the cuttings are pouring off of. That is supposed to represent the interval that we are trying to sample. Typically up here in my days, we would sample a five-meter interval, which is a, call it a 15-foot interval. Um, that bucket, in theory, could provide a representative sample of that entire 15-foot or 5-meter interval, but there's a lot of steps that need to be taken in order to ensure accurate and representative samples. Uh, the first step, you have to make sure that that bucket doesn't overflow. The second step is you have to make sure that you process and, and sieve out the entire contents of the bucket. That's a very time-consuming process, and even back in my day, when we were only drilling, like I said, at most 20 meters an hour, the roughneck, the rig hand, would typically grab one or two handfuls out of that bucket, wash them up, and bring them over and say, there's your sample. The problem with that is, is that does not represent five meters. That only represents one or two of that five-meter interval. So I designed the sample pro. At most. Yeah, at most. Now with the drilling speeds that <laughs> we have currently, and I, I again, I have not been on a rig since 2007 when I started, you know, marketing sample pro full time. But even then, and more so now, the drilling speeds don't even allow use of a bucket anymore. It's just too fast as you well know. So now, typical samples are basically taking, taken directly from the shaker. If you're trying to obtain a 10 meter or let's say a 30 foot sample, and you put your sieve screen under the shaker and fill it up, you're not sampling 30 feet, you're sampling one or two feet. My view as a well site geologist, and as a geologist in general is, what about the rest of that sample interval? To me, samples still matter. Samples are the best information that you will get from that well bore about the actual rock that makes up the reservoir. The only better information that you will get about that reservoir is to actually core it. That's pretty expensive. You know, talking about tripping out, tripping in, uh, time consuming, especially for the operator and the drillers. Absolutely, it's, it's cost prohibitive nowadays. And 
I mean, I still, I believe in the value of corneal because a better understanding of these reservoirs, I personally believe will help eliminate a lot of the mistakes that are still being made. Fracking intervals that have no business being fracked, drilling wells that have no business being drilled in the first place. If you know your reservoir, if you know the rock that makes up the reservoir, you can make better decisions. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if the subsurface is extremely different throughout a 100-foot interval. I mean, if you're driving along, uh, you know, the interstate in, in Colorado, it's hard to get a 100-foot, you know, wall of rock, a 100-foot section that, that you can see in real life. But even, even in a 50-foot interval, driving down the road and seeing a road cut, you know, a, a mountainside that's been blasted through, you can see very apparently that uh, the rock is all different as, as you drive past. And that's, that's the same on the subsurface. And if there's a way to continuously analyze and interpret, you know, rock interval as it exists beneath our feet, um, you know, that, that would be pretty valuable. And Sample Pro seems to have the capacity to do that. But, you know, in what capacity does it work? How does it create, you know, the, the continuous sample interval for a 15-meter section, a 50-foot section of rock? How does how does it uh, collect the sample, and how do we know that it's accurate and representative, rather than going out and you know what would be now an impossibly sampling every five feet or uh, having a bucket take its place? Okay, so first off, with the sample pro, you can actually increase your sample interval. You you don't really need to collect a twenty foot sample. If you're, if you're doing it the spot sample method, Neil, by grabbing a handful out off of a board or out of a bucket or scooping it straight off the shaker, you need to have a very small sample interval because that is only a spot sample. It's not representing an interval. However, if you have a device, if you have a sample that truly represents a 50-foot interval in the exact proportions it exists in the subsurface, then you can get a pretty good idea of what that entire 50-foot interval looks like. So the way Sample Pro works is it, it is mounted to the shaker and it sits directly in the path of the cutting. With your bucket or your board, I mean, I guess like we've seen in some of my LinkedIn posts, they're not even using that anymore. They're just taking them straight off the shaker. Again, those spot samples, they're just an instantaneous snapshot. So the sample pro sits in the stream of cuttings, and we can regulate the volume of cuttings that will fall through the sieve plate into the collector tray. In all of my years as a well site geologist, I noticed the sampling process that the rig hand went through, and that would be that he would take raw cuttings out of the bucket, and he would sieve them through a coarser sieve screen onto a very fine capture screen. That's still the process that everybody does these days because you have to sieve out your coarser cavings, your coarser cuttings, and collect the cuttings of the size that you want to see. The Sample Pro does that automatically. I collect from both a bucket and directly from the shaker. I Maybe a little more scientific, I go collect my sample off the top of the shaker. There's a bucket that's sitting there. And then I put the bucket on the shaker, 
a little bit of it goes into my collection tray, and then I empty out a little more, and that goes in the collection tray. So, you know, the top, middle, and bottom of the bucket, uh, to the best of my ability, gets placed in my sample tray collector. And then uh, the bucket's empty. I set the bucket back, and then I go wash, sieve, and uh, prepare my sample for analysis. So, so you're going above that, and beyond you know, what a lot of people do, Neil, and kudos to you for still realizing. Yeah, yeah. Kudos to you for still realizing the value of the cuttings and, and for doing the job that is required. There's a, I, I would hesitate to say or hazard to but, say that the majority of people don't go that route. I know the rig hands up here in Canada. Not at all, no. That. Uh, they don't have the time to do it, and they don't have the inclination to do it. But as even well, though they, you know, <laughs> human beings, right? We're all lazy. Well, yes, I, I, I don't want to say that. I mean, people do the best they can, and and they do what they're trained to do. And and I, I'm, I'm never going to slam a mud logger. I'm never going to slam a well site geologist. You guys are doing the best you can under crazy circumstances these days. And that's another reason why I developed Sample Pro. The steps that you take, Neil, yeah. while, I again, I applaud you for taking all those steps, that is still not a truly 100% accurate and representative sample. It's better than just taking... No, a, not at all. It's better than taking just a spot sample, Neil, but at the end of the day, you're still missing certain portions of that 50-foot interval. So with the sample pro, that, 50, that entire sample interval will pass across the sieve plate. A certain portion of that interval of those cuttings will fall through the sieve plate into the collector tray, which has a 120 mesh screen at the bottom, so you will collect all of your fines. And the sample process is as simple as remove the tray from the sample pro, grab your cuttings from there. There's no more washing need. You don't need to sieve it anymore. It's already sieved. Empty the remainder and put the tray back in. The reason why we, it works as well as it does is it has cover plates on the top that cover the sieve plate that can regulate the volume of cuttings that are exposed to the sieve plate thereby preventing that collector tray from ever filling up. If you want a 100-foot interval, sample interval, you can obtain that with a sample pro. You can sample that entire 100 interval in the exact proportions it exists in the subsurface, all by adjusting the cover plates appropriately and pulling the sample tray out at the appropriate time. So with the uh, sample and everything uh, being absolutely collected with uh, the greatest represented accuracy, what do we do with the rocks then? So they get washed, screened, collected, uh, analyzed, interpreted. You know, it's usually done in percentage. If they're drilling through a, a, a body of shale, a shale formation, chances are it's not all going to be clay. Entire interval, there's going to be silt, sand, maybe limestone, a slurry of, of different grain sizes and rock types. You know, what's the point of collecting the samples? What does it tell us? How do we use them 
and what a what information comes from this well represented sample of of rock cuttings. So my answer to that, Neil, would be that with the sample pro or any accurate and representative sample collected over an interval will provide you exactly what you said. You'll see some sands in there. Maybe you'll see some limestone. Maybe you'll see uh, a certain proportion of clay-rich uh, shales. Maybe you'll see some, you know, different shales. Maybe you'll even see a little bit of a fracture, evidence of fractures in there. What you can do with that is now you know that within that interval, those are the different lithologies. If you were to grab a spot sample, and that spot sample happened to be completely kaolinitic rich, and, and pardon me, I haven't practiced as a well site geologist for a long time, but very kaolinitic rich or very rich in one specific lithology, you would have no option but to assume that the entire 50-foot interval was exactly the same because you have no evidence to the contrary. Whereas if you have an accurate and representative sample over that interval and you see all of these different lithologies, now you will know that that 50-foot interval is not homogenous over the entire interval. You will know that there are changes occurring through that interval. Maybe some of those changes, maybe some of those lithologies will be beneficial. Maybe some of those lithologies will be detrimental, but at least you will have an idea that those different lithologies actually exist and it is not one homogenous 50-foot interval. Now, if I'm not mistaken, pretty much all of the wells that are drilled nowadays also run a gamma ray log while drilling. So you can correlate what you're seeing in the lithology in the drill cuttings to what you see on your gamma ray log, to what you see on your gas detection device, and assimilating all three of those pieces of information, you'll get a better picture of what that interval is versus a spot sample collected randomly through that interval. So what kind of science is done after the uh, samples are collected and, and the rocks analyzed by us? What, what happens with these cuttings that makes this so important? Well, nowadays, in, in, in recent years, and, and this is quite a recent phenomenon, some of the operators are beginning to realize that these reservoirs are not homogenous, that, that they're actually very complex. So they're sending them away after the fact, after you've already analyzed or done your descriptions and your interpretations. But keep in mind, you only have, what do you have, Neil, one or two minutes to look at a sample, and you've got to make your interpretation and, and your, your decisions based on a one or two minute, you know, quick look at these. A lot of operators, not enough in my estimation, but at least some of these operators are now sending away the samples after the fact to analytical labs. Uh, some of them that come in come to mind are something like a chemostrat or a reservoir group or a premier oil field to get detailed analysis after the fact. They're doing XRF, which is X-ray fluorescence. They're doing XRD, which is 
x-ray diffraction. They're having thin sections made and having these thin sections analyzed for mineral content. They're doing geochemical analyses on, on these cuttings. The problem that I see, Neil, though, is that they're doing all of these detailed analyses on inferior cuttings. They're, they're inputting inferior data into their models to try to understand these re reservoirs, and they're not getting the biggest bang for their buck. You're putting garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. It is so applicable, Neil. I mean, how can you do, how can you understand these reservoirs? Let's say you're drilling, and, and I'm going to go back to, to kilometers and meters because that's what I'm familiar with, but you guys will get the idea. If you're drilling sure. a two-kilometer reservoir and you're collecting samples every 20 meters. So that is going to be a total of 100 samples. Now, if those spot samples, if those samples are only spot samples, Neil, they're not representing 20 meters of rock. Let's say at most they represent one meter of rock. So you're collecting 100 one-meter samples of rock over a two-kilometer wellbore. You're actually getting to see 100 meters of rock in a 2,000-meter wellbore. If you were to collect accurate and representative samples, if those 20-meter samples actually represented the full 20 meters that they were supposed to represent, you would have an accurate picture of the entire wellbore, not 100 snapshots taken randomly throughout that wellbore. And that's my frustration with the industry, is that the industry seems complacent and they seem, they, they seem okay with just those little snapshots taken every once in a while through that reservoir. The technology exists. It's possible to get the entire wellbore. Why aren't we doing it? Yeah. If something exists that could help, you know, oil and gas exploration, production companies, energy companies utilize most of, of the resources available, creates positive influence from producer to consumer. I mean, if it's a, a natural gas well in Pennsylvania that's powering New York City, getting the most natural gas out possible creates the greatest influence from foothills of the Appalachians to downtown Manhattan or foothills of the, the Rocky Mountains to Calgary. Absolutely. Here's another way that I look at it, Neil, is I, I truly believe that better understanding of these reservoirs can only come from a better understanding of the actual rock that makes up these reservoirs. Now, ge geology, as you and I and everybody that's listening to us, we all know it's an imprecise science. I cannot guarantee you that better samples are going to lead to a better well. I can guarantee you that better samples will lead to a better understanding of that reservoir. Now, let's say you, by obtaining better geological information, better samples, some core, some good gas data, you know, helping you guys out in the field so that maybe instead of only having two minutes to look at a sample, maybe you get five minutes to look at a sample. Putting all these together to come up with a 
better understanding of these reservoirs. Maybe, just maybe, instead of having to drill four wells to get a thousand barrels a day, maybe by getting a better understanding of these these reservoirs, you can drill three wells and get that production. Maybe you can place two wells in an optimal location and get that production. Again, it's all depending on a better understanding of these reservoirs. And I think for too long, people, companies, operators, even some geologists themselves adopted the, uh, the, the philosophy that these reservoirs are simple. They're just shale. There's nothing to know about these. All we got to do is pound that well down as fast as possible and frack it just like we fracked the well 10 miles away. And that approach isn't working, Neil. Well, I don't think it could have been better said. You know, ignorance is not bliss. And wrapping up and gathering this all together with the way that, you know, the, the, the mud logging, well site geology, all of the, the service industry as it is today is, is working or, you know, could be enhanced to be, to become better. Uh, where do you think the industry will be tomorrow? Where do you think well site geology and, uh, you know, sample production and um, looking at, at the rock and monitoring, um, you know, what's happening as the well is being drilled in the subsurface, where do you think all of that is going to be tomorrow? Where is, where is this industry heading and how does the, um, you know, well site geologist stay ahead of this, this new information age uh, game? You know, Neil, that's a great question, but that is a very tough question. Uh, where do I see it? In my heart, I'm a geologist. I still believe in what we do. I still believe our job is vitally important. I still believe the well site geologist, the mud logger, his role cannot be replaced by any machine anywhere, anytime. You cannot replace a human being with a machine. Um, but it's it now we start coming down to, oh, we got to cut costs. We got to cut costs. Whereas you used to have two mud loggers on and you guys used to have proper, better working conditions. In fact, you guys, if I'm not mistaken, back in the day, you had two mud loggers whose responsibility was to collect the data and hand it over to the well site geologist who got who had time to look at these and interpret these. This industry has changed. I don't I don't see it having changed for the better. Um, I'm hopeful that what's occurred in the past few years where all of these cookie cutter wells and cookie cutter completions and cost cutting has resulted in some pretty dramatic errors, some a lot of wasted, wasted capital. I'm hopeful that the operators will take a step back and go, you know what, let's get back to the basics. The basics being the rock, the rock that makes up these reservoirs. I'm cautiously optimistic but I'm also scared at the same time, Neil, for the future of our profession, that in these, uh, these companies that are being run by accountants that have never been onto a rig 
that have no idea what goes on, how this information is collected. All they know is we got to cut $10 a day from a $5 million well. This well site geology position and mud logging position is still valued in the industry for the most part. For now, here I sit. And uh, here we are. I want to thank you, Will, for joining me today just outside Jail, New Mexico, and uh, having this conversation and being a part of the podcast. Um, it's great having you on. Fun talking about rocks and reminiscing about old times spent in the oil field. Before I go, I would just like to say to every, each and every last field geologist, well site geologist, office geologist, kudos to what you guys are all doing. Keep up the great work. Don't let anybody tell you that our profession is, is, is no longer valid anymore. Just keep on going and, and keep up the great work, you know, especially you people out in the field working under some extremely trying circumstances these days. You know, everybody pat yourselves on the back, and uh, if there's anything I can do to help, I, I'm trying to provide, you know, something that's going to make your lives a little bit easier. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the operators have not bought in yet. Um, maybe a little bit of prodding from their field staff will help. But in the meantime, let's all just keep on going, and let's, let's help our industry thrive and survive. We'll leave it at that. We'll be drilling ahead, moving forward, and, uh, you know, getting on to the next big sample. So thank you, Will. And for those of you out there who want to check out uh, what it's like to increase the sample interval, what it's like to mud log and be a well site geologist, look into Sample Pro, Will Reberer, and everything they have to offer. So listeners, tune in. Turn on, drop out. Thank you for listening to another Geology Vlog podcast. We'll catch you on the flip side.